So this morning is the first Sunday in the season of Lent. And it occurs to me, we've been here before. Every year at this time, clicks over to the Lenten calendar and the altar cloths, the linens change from white to green to white again and then here we are in Lent and everything is purple. It's a season of introspection. It's a season of examining where we are in our faith walk. What is our relationship like at this current time in our faith journey with the God that we serve? And it's good for us every Lenten season to have this discussion with ourselves and with our God to make sure that we are stepping along this path to glory, staying within the boundaries of his perfect will. So our epistle comes to us this morning. If you have your Bibles, if you'll open them to 1 Peter chapter 3. I'll be beginning at verse 18. Hear what Peter writes. For Christ also suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, in order to bring you to God. He was put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which also he went and made a proclamation to the spirits in prison who in former times did not obey when God waited patiently in the days of Noah, during the building of the ark, in which a few, that is eight persons, were saved through water. And baptism, which this prefigured, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers made subject to him. See, as, as this is the first Sunday in Lent, we once again begin this journey, as I said, of self-examination, of, of introspection, uh, of discernment. It's time once again to take stock of our relationship with Christ, our relationship with one another, and our relationship with ourselves. And we do this every year because the journey that took Christ to the cross was a journey that Jesus took for you and for me. And so we have this responsibility now to assess from time to time whether or not we're living a life, whether we're traveling a road, making a personal journey that is worthy of his sacrifice making a journey that's moving us along the path in his footsteps and that ultimately will have us arrive exactly where he is in the presence of God, in good standing with God the Father. That's the goal, isn't it? That's where we want to be. And so we examine ourselves and we, we put our faith walk into the context of this journey. Our epistle this morning from 1 Peter talks about Jesus's journey and what it means for us. See, Peter says it's better to suffer for doing good 
if that's what God's want, if that's what God wants, rather than being punished for doing bad. See, that's what Christ did definitively. He suffered because of others' sins. He was the righteous one. And so it was the righteous one for the unrighteous ones, all of us. He went through it all. He was put to death and then made alive to bring you and me to God. And his journey from the time he was baptized by John until he was taken into custody, beaten, humiliated, crucified. His journey was a ministry of doing the Father's will. Healing the sick, casting out demons, pointing out the error in thinking of the, the priests and the Pharisees. And when he pointed out that error, what did they do? They killed him for it. They sent him to the cross and they thought that he had stopped this radical teaching, but they didn't understand that he chose to go to the cross to fulfill the will of the Father. We keep coming back to that phrase. It was about the Father's will. To take our sin upon himself, exchange it for his perfect righteousness. He did that so that we could be presented to the Father as spotless and blameless and righteous and purified. This is the reason for Jesus' journey. And so in this Lenten season, we have to reflect on that and decide whether or not you and I are on that same path. Because if we've deviated somewhere, if we've gotten off into the weeds somewhere, we need to correct it now while there's time. And so Peter talks about Jesus sending the Holy Spirit in the days of Noah to offer a chance uh, uh, for repentance and salvation to the people of that time. Listen to to what he says out of the message version. He went and proclaimed God's salvation to earlier generations who ended up in the prison of judgment because they wouldn't listen. You know, even though God waited patiently all the days that Noah built his ark, only a few were saved then, eight to be exact, saved from the water by the water. See, Peter is comparing the work of Christ in the world today to the time of Noah. And we have to ask ourselves that all-important question as we enter Lent. Are we listening to the message? See, the people in Noah's time didn't listen. And as a result, they perished in the flood. Because if we don't listen, the Bible says it will be just as in the days of Noah. But we have this opportunity, Peter's trying to tell us. This Lenten season, we have an opportunity to change the course of our journey if we have gotten off that straight and narrow path. We have the opportunity to change the course of our journey. There are two paths you can go by, but in the long run, there's still time to change the road you're on. That's not biblical, that's Led Zeppelin. But it's true, nonetheless. There's still time to change the road you're on. It's not 
can do some soul searching and you can make an adjustment to your course if you're willing to do the work and make the change. Saved by, from the water, by the water is what Peter says. Saved from the waters of destruction by the water. Peter says the waters of baptism do that for you. Not by washing away dirt from your skin, but by presenting you through Jesus' resurrection before God with a clear conscience. Jesus has the last word on everything and everyone from angels to armies. He's standing right alongside God and what he says goes. Are we listening to him? If what he says goes, are we listening to Jesus? Peter's not saying that baptism is in and of itself a, mean, a means of salvation. He's not saying that because baptism is a means of grace. It is not saving grace in and of itself. We have to be clear on that. What he says is the waters of baptism don't cleanse the flesh, meaning they don't wash clean the part of you that's bound by sin, but rather the waters of baptism are a pledge to God, which invokes this provenient grace of God to move in to your life through the power of the Holy Spirit to help guide you and direct you into a right relationship with God, which is only made possible, by the way, by the resurrection and power of Jesus Christ. His body was given for you. His blood was poured out for you so that you might be saved by him, the only one who can save. Baptism in and of itself is not a saving grace. It is a means of grace. We need to understand the difference. A lot of people out there beyond these doors think I was baptized, I'm okay. Well, have you made a, a personal commitment to Jesus Christ? Have you acknowledged him as Lord and Savior? You have to take that step of accountability, that step of responsibility to say, yes, Jesus is my Lord, Jesus is my Savior. Because baptism is a sacrament, a means of grace instituted by God. There's, there is never a need to be rebaptized. Even when we don't remember our baptism, God does. And in baptism, we are marked, we are sealed as Christ's own forever. It's a, it's a way of acknowledging what God has already done for us, trusting what he will continue to do in us through to completion. It's an outward visible sign of an inward spiritual grace. See, God has many means of grace available to us. And one of them, we didn't get the opportunity to receive last Wednesday, Ash Wednesday. Um, the weather had a lot to do with that, of course. But this being the first Sunday in Lent, I think it's totally appropriate to receive that means of grace this morning. With the imposition of ashes, we reflect not only on the meaning of Jesus' journey to the cross, but also on our own journey to be reconciled back to God through Christ. 
We're reminded of our own mortality. We're reminded that from dust we came and to dust we shall return. We're reminded that we should number our days. See, Moses said in the opening lines of the 90th Psalm, he said, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were born, you gave birth to the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. God has been impressing on me the importance of living in his will rather than my own. That's what Peter was trying to tell us through all this. Not only that, but he's blessed me with the conviction these days to count my days as numbered. Now, a lot of folks might hear that and say, wow, that's kind of morbid and morose. But I have to tell you that embracing now the temporary, temporal nature of our time on earth is truly a blessing when it sharpens our focus on living each day that we have in the context of Moses' words in the 90th Psalm, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God, which carries with it the implication that we are not God. It's not the short span of our lives that carries the meaning of life. No, it's the content of that short span of days in relationship with this everlasting to everlasting Father. You've heard the saying that every day above ground is a good day, right? I suppose that's, that's true, but our perspective as Christ followers should be just a little bit different. Let's, let's adjust that saying for the taking into account the relationship that we have with Christ. See, our perspective should be every day above ground is an opportunity to seek and live in the will of God so that our time on earth is maximized for his glory and so that our purpose, God's purpose for our lives is fulfilled. See the difference? Every day above ground is a good day. Well, this week, I don't know if that's, that was true. I mean, we made it through, and I'm sure there are some that still have issues, but you're here, which, it, which tells me that whatever's going on back at home, whether there's water running or not, whether there's power or not, your priority this morning was to be here and worship your God and to offer thanks to him which you do faithfully on a regular basis. Your faith has not been shaken, even though Monday night when the temperatures dropped into the teens, you might have been physically shaking. See, as, as long as you have breath, it's not too late to seek the will of God in your life, but our days are indeed numbered and none of us is promised tomorrow. 
I, I, I officiated a funeral Friday for family members of one of our own. I won't go into detail. But it impressed upon me this point that I'm trying to make as I close here this morning. As long as you have breath, it's not too late to seek the will of God in your life. But we need to do it with the knowledge, the awareness that our days are numbered and none of us is promised tomorrow. And so don't wait to seek God's will for your life. Do it now because his is the only truth. Jesus is the only one by whom we will be saved. Now is the only time. And so we need to remember, yes, my days are numbered. Father God, I will dedicate them to you. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.